Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Dave McKechnie. The volatile world of Brazilian politics suffered another significant jolt last week when former president Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, or Lula as the world knows him, had two corruption convictions unexpectedly quashed by the Supreme Court. The move frees the left-wing leader and the country's most famous politician to run against far-right President Jair Bolsonaro in what would be a hugely polarised election next year. At the same time, Brazil is facing an increasingly dire coronavirus situation, with thousands of deaths and tens of thousands of cases now being reported daily. The country's vaccine programme is lagging behind much of the world, and the crisis seems to be finally having a major impact on Bolsonaro's popularity. Might these parallel events spell the beginning of the end for the populist leader? To talk us through the situation, I'm joined on the line by our South America correspondent Tom Hennigan in Sao Paulo. Tom, a lot has been happening. Perhaps we could start with Lula. His political career seemed to be dead and buried before last week's ruling. Can you tell us what happened and why the judge quashed his convictions? Well, it was a surprise ruling by a Supreme Court justice who said that the that the judge and the court that had tried Lula in the south of Brazil uh, didn't have jurisdiction to do so. And it was a Shocking ruling on many levels because, um, number one, the, the first of Lula's two convictions by this uh, judge, uh, Sergio Moro, in uh, Curitiba in the south, uh, the first conviction was f- uh, four years ago uh, in 2017. And Lula had actually served 580 days uh, in a police cell um, of, of that sentence before he was released uh, while his appeal process was heard. Uh, so there was um, major, you know, sense of well, this is very late in the day to be deciding that this whole process was handled in the wrong jurisdiction. It was more surprising because the Supreme Court had previously heard arguments that it was the wrong ju- jurisdiction presented by Lula's defence and decided actually no, uh, that um, Sergio Moro was the judge to hear it. So that raises the question of why now. And there are um, a number of theories going around, one of which, um, which I think is quite probable, um, is that the um, Supreme Court justice who annulled the convictions and basically ordered that all of the four uh, judicial cases currently um, faced by Lula, two of which reached a conviction, be transferred to the capital, Brasilia. Um, that Supreme Court Justice Edson Fakin is a major supporter of the car wash corruption probe. And it has been under increasing attack both by Brazil's political class and by um, senior elements in the judiciary, including colleagues of Mr. Fakin on the Supreme Court. And by annulling these um, convictions and ordering a retrial in front of a new judge in Brasilia, Mr. Fakin seems to have been attempting to preempt uh, an attempt by his colleagues to decide that uh, Judge Moro, who who tried and um, convicted Lula um, in the in the first trial against him, was uh, uh, partial and had not given Lula a fair trial. Trial and and doing that. Um, not only would that um, see Lula's convictions quashed, it would also put at risk a lot of the evidence that was used to convict him. So Fakin seems to have been trying to defend this uh, legacy of um, the car wash investigation by transferring um, the case to 
to Brasilia. Um, and that, I think, is probably the most um, likely reason of, of what happened. There are other theories going around that um, the, the Brazil's uh, establishment is increasingly nervous about the performance of President Jair Bolsonaro, who is um, erratic, um, to say the best, in his approach towards the pandemic, but also um, very democratic and um, uh, in his in his outlook and attacking a lot of other institutions in Brazil, particularly those um, um, involved in the control of corruption. And so the idea was to put one of the country's most popular political leaders of the last generation back into the fight. Um, whether that's actually the, the case or whether it was more about perfect, um, preventing um, the uh, major um, achievement of the Lava Jato campaign, which was holding a former president responsible for corruption during his time in, in office, um, is debatable. And, and Fakin is the only person who can uh, say why he did this, and he hasn't at the moment. But they're the two main theories during the rounds. Now, in his public appearance afterwards, Lula himself said that the decision had confirmed he hadn't committed any crime. But that's not quite the case, is it? It's not. What has happened is is that Fakin has said that these four um, cases brought against Lula, two of which reached convictions and two of which were still ongoing, that they um, need now to start from zero, uh, from scratch again, in front of a new judge in Brasilia. So the idea that Lula and uh, his supporters are trying to sell in Brazil that he has been exonerated is not actually the case. It just he it, the whole process has been rewound to the start and needs to 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 go ahead. In effect, though, he kind of has been exonerated because um, the. The amount of time that uh, Brazilian um, justice takes is already uh, very long. Uh, the amount of leeway to um, politicians to continue um, in the pub in public life while facing these charges is enormous as well. And what I think is um, also increasingly coming on the radar is that the court in Brasilia uh, that uh, will now try Lula has a reputation for um, for uh, being quite lenient um, for, uh, towards politicians. So the idea that uh, that Lula has been exonerated is technically wrong. He just has to. He's been sent for retrial, but in reality, it is uh, it is more than likely that that retrial is going to take years and um, in front of a judge um, with a reputation for protecting rather than punishing politicians. Um, and then with the, with the presidential election set for October of next year, 2022, therefore it is highly unlikely that Lula will have um, his, his new trial concluded by the time. And um, that means that he will be free to, to run in the election next year. Now, you mentioned uh, the, the anti-corruption car wash investigation that led to his conviction. Uh, you have spoken about it at length before, but I think should maybe remind our, our listeners broadly what, what that investigation was about. It was seven years ago yesterday that car wash uh, broke into public view 
and it was a, it started out as an investigation into money launders in in Brazil and eventually engulfed a lot of the political and business elite in the country and what it uncovered was the way that companies that largely depended on public contracts uh, whether for the state oil company or for the federal state or municipal governments um doing major uh, civil engineering projects were uh, overbilling those uh, those jobs and then kicking back a percentage to politicians either as illegal campaign financing or for just lining their own pockets and um it this was led by the investigation was led by judge Sergio Moro um out of um the south of Bra- the southern brazilian city of Curitiba and led to not only the conviction of Lula, but of dozens of leading um, um, politicians, um, some from Lula's party, some from other um, political parties, and to uh, some of the biggest names in Brazilian business. Um, and what the the impact of that was, it was just, it's, it's hard to overstate, it just completely dis- left a whole... Um, political class that had run the country since um, the return of democracy in the 1980s, totally discredited. And it it really showed the entrails of how politics worked in the country to Brazilians who suspected this was going on for um, decades and were pretty certain it was going on. But here suddenly was the was the details of it um, exposed nightly on the evening news, police showing up at um, apartment, luxury apartment buildings and secret uh, safes and artworks and everything being seized. Um, so it was a it was a massive investigation with a huge political impact. And it has um totally transformed it, it was a it was a fundamental part in in helping clear the path of the traditional political class um so that uh, a far right extremist from the fringe of brazilian politics like jair bolsonaro uh, could get to the presidency in 2018 but since then um in a in a an alliance with the rest of the political class, he has increasingly moved to try and bury the investigation. And part of, of that has been aided by the fact that the excesses by Judge uh, Moro and the prosecutors in Curitiba have increasingly come to light. And so uh, despite the the evidence that they found for billions and billions, one of the biggest corruption schemes uncovered anywhere in the world um, in, their, uh, in their agreement with the Department of Justice, one of the companies involved um, admitted to paying hundreds of millions of dollars of bribes in, in I think, it's 22 countries around the world in what the Department, U.S. Department of Justice said was one of the biggest corruption schemes they had ever seen. So despite all this detail coming to light, uh, Lava Jato, uh, as it's known here, Car Wash, has been shut down and is the, the gains that have been made are now being subject to a withering uh, rearguard action by Brazil's political class. And then that's part of the context in which we now see Lula's cases being um, annulled. And um, I, I think many of the, the gains made by Car Wash are now um, at, at real risk of being, of being lost. 
How popular does Lula remain in the country, Tom? And and is is there anything standing in the way of him running next year for for the presidential election? And, and can we assume he will do so? If there is no legal impediment, I think it's very hard to imagine that Lula will not run. Um, he has all but announced that he will uh, in his first public statement after uh, his uh, convictions were annulled. Um, he is still very popular um, for many people on the left who uh, always claim that uh, car wash was a political witch hunt uh, designed to eject the left from power. Um, and polls show about a third of Brazilians um, are still uh, very keen on Lula and, and would and say they would likely vote for him. Uh, but he is a polarizing figure. Uh, by the time the Workers' Party were ejected from power in 2016, when Lula's handpicked successor, Dilma Rousseff, was impeached, uh, the party was, as well as being associated with the, with the car wash corruption scandal, was also uh, stigmatized because of the, the massive and very deep and long-lasting recession that uh, Dilma's um, heterodox uh, economic policy had um, dumped the country's economy into. So um, there are many people in Brazil who still have um, still have fond memories of Lula, of the advances that were made um, when he was president between 2003-2010. There are many people, though, who are still uh, very um, against the Workers' Party, whether it's because uh, by the by the end of their 13 years in power, they were suffering economically or because they were disgusted by the revelations in, in car wash. Uh, and for many people, up until recently, there was a sort of a, a sense that uh, Lula and the Workers' Party would have difficulty um, uniting a majority behind um, him in an election campaign. That calculus is, I think, beginning to change because uh, President Bolsonaro has so mismanaged the pandemic, has shown himself to be so callous uh, in the face of what is now 285,000 deaths in Brazil from COVID and has also um, been exposed as a liar when he said he, he was going to um, continue and cement the legacy of car wash. Instead, he has moved against all uh, the institutions in Brazil charged with combating corruption because his own family is corrupt. And this has been increasingly made clear. And so uh, Bolsonaro has moved against it. So I think there's a growing segment of the population who in 2018, when they voted for Bolsonaro, and many people held their nose when voting for him, said anyone would be better than the return of the Workers' Party uh, to power. And I think now uh, there's a chance that four years later that an, a large segment of the population will feel that anyone would be better than another four years of Jair Bolsonaro, even if that means the return of Lula to office. Now, Bolsonaro did this week appoint his fourth health minister since the pandemic began and, and a poll showed his disapproval rating at a record high. You, you went through some of the reasons there, but why is it particularly now he is so unpopular uh, when he seemed to write out uh, scandals before? I think the main reason is the pandemic. Um, so we're a year into it uh, here as well. And um, just in the last 24 hours, we had 2000, over 2,700 deaths 
and the the daily average um, uh, number of deaths is now above two thousand, um, and so the and the situation is getting worse. Uh, just shortly before we we uh, started talking, the mayor in Sao Paulo has anticipated five uh, public holidays to start next week sequentially to try and get people off the streets because the city's hospitals are maxing out. The demand for uh, intensive care beds is um, just not going to be met at a very short um, amount of time. That situation has been reflected all over um, Brazil. I think only one of the 27 um, states and the federal capital uh, does not have its uh, its hospital system under severe strain at the moment, and there's no there's no direction um, from the federal government on how to to deal with this. If anything, President Bolsonaro is going against all medical advice, which advocates uh, stricter restrictions, um, the use of lockdowns. And uh, instead, we have a health ministry that is just, an, you know, it's not too much to say it's a disaster. Um, you know, the country's running out of oxygen supplies in many in many regions. There are reports of um, a lack of anaesthetics for, um, you know, uh, tubing up patients. The vaccine program is another disaster. And uh, President Bolsonaro was a, a very open anti-vaxxer for months until that was uh, shown to be a disastrous policy, which Brazilians can now see other countries in elsewhere in the region and in the world look forward to exiting the pandemic because of their vaccine um, program rollout. And here in Brazil, there's an absolute shortage of vaccines. And the the man who could have brought the country together, brought together the the, the state apparatus to uh, have a, a proper vaccine program in the months before they were ready, uh, was in fact actively working against them. And so I think there is major anger at, at um, the president's handling of the pandemic that has also um, been allied to the fact that the uh, the emergency payments last year, that even last year when his handling the pandemic was being criticised widely by, by health experts and, and political opponents, his support took a dip, but not as much as expected because there was a very generous um, emergency payments made to tens of millions of Brazilians. That now has become increasingly difficult to fund. Those payments haven't been made in recent months. Congress is negotiating now to restart payments in April, but at a much lower level. And so people are kind of going, well, you know, that money that made me think positive about him, I'm not getting that now. And the news every night is just getting worse and worse. And I think that's having a major, major impact um, on, on his popularity, though it is worth pointing out that 30% of um, people polled in Brazil still think the president is doing a good job, which is just outstanding when you actually look at what's going on in the country and just shows how polarised the country is, uh, that uh, almost one in three voters, uh, no matter what level of incompetence uh, President Bolsonaro displays, are willing to are to think positively of him. It does seem to have remarkable echoes of, of what happened in, in the United States. Despite that that uh, bleak situation you, you've outlined there, are, are, are you saying that there are no strict res- restrictions in place? It's, it's mixed all over the country. Um, 
you know, because the federal government uh, uh, is not leading this effort because President Bolsonaro sees any effort at lockdown as designed to undermine him by slowing down the economy and uh, that would dent his popularity. the effort to combat the spread of the pandemic is really in the hands of state governors and city mayors. So you have a patchwork measure all over the country. But just to give you an idea uh, where I am in Sao Paulo, which is uh, Brazil's most populous state with over a fifth of the, of the country's population here, um, the the state government has imposed strict restrictions. So schools are closed, churches are closed, the beaches are closed. The weather's still very good here. Beaches are closed because um, the, the state government is trying to get companies to close or have people working from home. And in the past, that led to people deciding, well, you know, I can just as easily work from my house down at the beach. Um, shops are closed, bars, restaurants are closed. Last time when I was talking to Chris a few months ago, you could still go out for a meal in Sao Paulo. You can't at the moment. Um, but at the same time, the target is is to try and reduce uh, the circulation of people uh, as they measure their their um, the, the index of ice of social isolation, as they call it here, and um, to try and and to get that up to seventy percent, so that you only have thirty percent of normal activity going on. And um, health experts say that would really help slow the spread of the disease. At the moment in the state of Sao Paulo, that index, instead of the target 70%, is only at 33 or around there. So there is a certain exhaustion amongst the population um, that, that many businesses are covertly trying to open up or, you know, restaurants are not supposed to be doing anything except deliveries. But, you know, I've got a local bar near me and I'm seeing people standing outside and having drinks on the pavement, but they're gathering. Um, so it, it ha- has been difficult really to, even with the state lockdown measures, to get people to stay at home, to stop going out and about. And until that happens, uh, these uh, spiralling infection rates and death rates, um, unfortunately, health experts say they're going to continue. The hospital's already maxed out and yet the number of, or almost maxed out, and yet the number of, of new cases is continuing to rise quite uh, dramatically. Just returning to Bolsonaro, if we were to consider what lies ahead for him, although he has allies in key positions in, in Congress, is there is there a possibility of impeachment still? Well, there's a famous phrase in Brasilia um, that the that the, the big centre, which is an agglomeration of socially really centre-right or right-wing parties, but they're not really interested in ideology. They're just interested in getting close to power and milking that for all it's worth. And a big chunk of them were actually all allied with Lula when he was president. And now in recent months, um, they have cut a deal with Bolsonaro and are propping him up. Um, And because of, of his alliance, new alliance with them, he has enough votes in Congress to block any um, attempt to impeach him. But in Brasilia, there is an old saying that the big centre is loyal, but it isn't a pallbearer. So that if it is considered that Bolsonaro has really lost public support to a level that it will threaten the political future of 
the, the the centre parties that are 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 keeping him in power at the moment, they will abandon him. And it was the same thing that happened to Dilma Rousseff uh, when when she was impeached. She had many of these centrist parties in her coalition, but once they realised that she had lost all public support. They abandoned her and many of them voted for her impeachment and she was gone. Um, now, I think we're not at that stage yet. Uh, this um, this alliance of convenience, because that's what it is, is still relatively new. Um, what they, these parties are more apt to do is actually to squeeze the, the government for more and more um, uh, positions, funding for their pre- pet projects, pork barrel, uh, old-fashioned Brazilian-style politics. But there is already, uh, coming out of Brasilia, um, signals that they are concerned at just how tone-deaf Bolsonaro is to public anger and even panic at the worsening pandemic. And an example of that was, um, as you mentioned earlier, Brazil has got its fourth health minister of the pandemic uh, coming in. And these allies in Congress told Bolsonaro to appoint a very respected doctor who um, that they thought would be the best person for the job. And he kind of hummed and hawed and sort of pretended that he would, but uh, in the end opted for a family friend. Um, and that family friend has has he's he's not been sworn in yet, but he's already essentially acting health minister. He's going around saying, in fact, the federal government is doing the right thing, and his job is to give continuity to um, to uh, what the federal government has been doing um, for the last year of the pandemic, which has been a disaster. And so you have already just whispers coming out of. Uh, these congressional allies of convenience of Bolsonaro in the Congress who are are saying, you know, what is this man's problem? You know, we're not we're not here uh, to uh, hold him up while he keeps making terrible self-inflicted errors. But Bolsonaro was so paranoid in in his thinking. And this has been clear before he ever became president. He he has a, a very Manichean view of the world and that has become exasperated since he's um, uh, become president. And he seems to think that uh, any effort to try and get him to dilute his own control over things is an effort to try and unseat him. And therefore, he rejected even, you know, a candidate put forward by his own allies as suitable. He rejected her and instead imposed a, a friend of his family who um, has already given signals that he doesn't see any real reason to change direction in um, to a policy that has led Brazil into um, its worst moment of the pandemic. You know, at the moment, almost 50% of all deaths from COVID around the world are occurring in Brazil. And we have a new health minister who's coming in and saying he sees no reason to change what the government's doing. Finally, Tom, uh, 2022 seems a long way off at the moment, but Looking at the possibility of a Lula-Bolsonaro election contest, it is something of a frightening prospect. Uh, Is it one that Bolsonaro would welcome? And is Brazil's uh, democracy robust enough to withstand it? Is Brazil's democracy robust enough is a very um, scary but uh, pertinent question. Um, You know, you have Bolsonaro um, 
rolling back Brazil's uh, firearms legislation and you're seeing an explosion of gun ownership um, in the country. And at the same time, like uh, Donald Trump did before his election um, in, in the US, Bolsonaro is increasingly focused on trying to throw doubt on Brazil's highly respected voting um, system. And he's calling that in the integrity of that into question. Um, so I think next year with Bolsonaro as candidate is going to uh, be uh, a stress test for Brazil's democratic system. How severe a one remains to be seen. Um, I think uh, the the point you make that it, it's still a long way out is is a very um, valid and important one because the the roller coaster that Brazilian politics has been really in recent years um, seems to be accelerating in recent months um, and the ups and downs of um, Bolsonaro's popularity have been becoming quite extenuated in in the last year. So it's hard to project out uh, a year and a half from now where we will be. Um, I think Bolsonaro, though, would uh, welcome facing off against uh, Lula because he would be um, able to try and conjure up memories of the recession caused by the Workers' Party uh, under Dilma Rousseff, who was, after all, handpicked by Lula. Um, he would also try and, and um, highlight the corruption exposed by the car wash investigation, though I think that will be less effective than in the past because his own family's corruption has increasingly been exposed since he assumed the presidency. Um, but I think he would just play the old God, country and family card. And uh, there is a large conservative segment in Brazilian society. Uh, a big chunk of, of Bolsonaro's base is drawn from members of the country's evangelical churches, which are socially very conservative. And uh, even though a lot of it is just complete fake news and misinformation, uh, Bolsonaro uh, in 2018 was quite skillful in portraying the Workers' Party as a threat to um the Brazilian family, that they were um, advocating uh, homosexuality to primary school children, all, all lies, but uh, this gained quite a lot of traction. And I think the other thing uh, that he would welcome facing off against Lula is, is that if there was a centrist candidate, if Brazil's political centre could coordinate and, and coalesce around a viable, credible single name, I think there's a large chunk of Brazil that is um, at the moment um, against both Bolsonaro, but also reluctant to defeat him by turning back to the Workers' Party, that uh, they could come, um, that, that candidate could very quickly become very viable. And that candidate would be particularly threatening to Bolsonaro because um, a lot of his voters um, in 2018 were not so much pro-Bolsonaro supporters as anti-Workers Party supporters. And Lula will always have his base, both because of his own personal charisma and also because of the, the nationwide structure um, that the Workers Party is able to put behind any campaign uh, by him. Um, and I think that Bolsonaro would uh, fear a viable candidate from the centre-centre-right 
would be able to present himself to Brazil as going, look, I'm not an extremist like Bolsonaro and I can defeat him without bringing the left back to power. I think that's probably what Bolsonaro most fears um, at the moment. And, um, and you know, that's why he would welcome facing off against Lula rather than anyone else. But uh, he, at the moment, has the advantage that the disarray in Brazilian politics is such that there doesn't seem to be any... Um, viable uh, candidate emerging from the centre ground. Tom Hennigan in Sao Paulo, thank you for joining us. That's all we have time for today. Thanks to Tom Hennigan and producer Declan Conlon, and thank you for listening.